Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale Up Business podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I am one of your hosts. And today we are joined by Ash Varma. He's an executive coach, CFO. We're going to get into the parts of entrepreneurship that perhaps we don't get into on a regular basis. And I think something that we haven't really talked a whole lot about on this show that we're going to get into today. So Ash, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Hector. Looking forward. So we were talking about, you know, before we hit the record button, a little about how you run your business. And I really appreciate, you know, how you've been able to create a really lean organization. When you're going into businesses and when you are working with entrepreneurs, what are some of the stuff that you're focusing on? What are the things that you are helping them work through with regards to their own business? Sure. Well, there are two different ways to look at it. One is I'm a solopreneur. I've been that for about 20 years. So there's a certain way that I look at things. But then I have actually been able to coach a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and become entrepreneurs across all different fields and spectrums. Some are in the service area, some in the medical area, some are in the fashion and retail, apparel, trucking, you name it. So it's different. And it's important to remember that there are distinct viewpoints and distinct aspects to each one. But to generalize, say for the larger type of entrepreneurial venture, not just the solopreneur, I would say there are a lot of things that are key. The first is, honestly, Hector, what is your business? you got to really know that. When I'm with my clients, I say, I want you to tell me in a sentence what your business is. That's really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs and for a lot of people in general, because it forces one to really hone in on what it is. I get very generic descriptions, and I say, well, I can't tell from that if you're in a trucking business or you're providing you know, engineering services. What exactly are you doing? So it's very important to have that self-knowledge. Number two. You need to really think through what exactly is your target market? What market are you in? What are you trying to do? What need are you trying to solve? Number three, who will be your key clients? Who will be your key clients? So these are some of the beginning foundations to really honing in on, let's call this the conceptual part of your business. Then as you start it, let's go to the formation issue. This is going to be you alone. Is it going to be you with a team? Is it going to be with a larger team and building and scaling? There are all kinds of permutations that come in there. And then lastly, we would also look at stage three, which is what you're talking about as well, which is scaling and growth. So all of these kind of fit into place. Kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but I think they're all important aspects. Well, I'm curious, where do you think is the best place to start? Do they build upon each other? Because I've heard the adage that, you know, what gets you from, say, zero to a million is not going to get you from one to 10, which is not going to get you from 10 to whatever. And so do you look at them as these very distinct seasons, if you will, or are they really things that grow upon each other? Well, it's a little bit of both. They are distinct. I mean, I always talk to my clients about, you know, where are you and what is your target goal? Where are you in the growth process? Because it is different if you're a complete startup. You're getting your first million. It is certainly true that getting the next millions are very different than getting your first. Honestly, Hector, what's really interesting is getting your first million is usually the hardest. I've written many, many business plans and seen them over the years as well, too. And I remember I used to tell some clients at a certain point in my own business that, listen, unless you're really looking for five to 10 million, I really, you know, and above, it's too much work. It's the same amount of work, if not more, to raise a million than to raise 20, and 20 is easier. Why? In my humble opinion, it's because the lenders at that particular level, the lenders and the equity investors, 
realize that you have enough substance, if your valuation is 10, 20 million, so that even if something goes wrong in this aspect, there are other aspects that will kind of cover it, hopefully, as opposed to in your first million, it's everything or nothing. So yes, they are distinct for sure, and they're different aspects. But yes, to your point, they do kind of fundamentally grow. If you're successful in the first round, and you then can look at certain variables, they can build upon one another to grow. But there are different things that come into the equation. Building an infrastructure is probably the biggest one. Yeah. I think that a lot of our listeners have found the product market fit, right? They've done those first couple of stages where they figured out what are their business model? Who are they serving? What are they doing for them? What's the problem that they're solving? And that's its own challenges. But then they climb that mountain of trying to figure out what do people want? And then they look up and they've got this other mountain to actually, you know, create an organization or a business that is able to do that and ideally without them, right? And to do that without them needing to be the one swinging the hammer or needing them to be feeding the sales or whatever it is. And so how does someone approach that next mountain or that next summit, if you will? And how is that different from this first one that you've described? Well, it's it's a great question. I think the key is once you've done all the conceptual work and you really have a good understanding, we get to what I was calling the second stage. What's the formation? Is it going to be you alone? Is it going to be you? Sometimes in a lot of these product startups, it's the visionary, but they usually need an engineering technical expert. That is the case in many situations. Those are hard to get also. So there's going to be two of you together. Is it a little bit of a larger, smaller team? You know, three, four, five. Then when you're talking about adding people, Hector, all the people aspects enter into the equation. How do you recruit properly? What kind of relationships do you build? And something I write about all the time, not only for small entrepreneurial startups, but I write about this on LinkedIn and elsewhere, Forbes, about leadership and even multinational organizations. What are you showing as a leader? And what are the key skills you need to have as a leader to get people to buy in and join you and move forward? So there are all those aspects at this stage. And that's just part of it. Then you have to have your strategy for, you've got your concept, as you described, but what's the strategy, with or without this larger group of people or smaller group or on your own, what's the strategy to actually get to the next steps? Who are your clients? How have you targeted them? What needs have they found? How have you priced things? Uh, also, we can't forget, what's your financial scenario? Do you have outside investment? Do you not have it? Do you not need it? Can you do it on your own? Do you have angel investors? Blah, blah, blah. There's that whole aspect as well. If that's all taken care of, there's still the operational and strategic aspects to move forward at this level. Yeah. Oh, I'd love for you to just continue on and just share what some of those are, because I think that progression is really helpful for people to see, because it does seem like there is a little bit of continuity between some of these stages. There is. Yeah. I mean, so if you've identified your key core concept and you're getting some traction, and then you've gone to stage two and you've decided what's your formation. So let's say it's a couple of people or maybe it's the two-person model. Also, there's so many different types of entrepreneurs. I mean, are you doing research where you actually just want to get to a beta stage with your product? Do you actually have a product that you're you know, trying to sell to the public? One thing that is really important that people don't think about enough, I think, is a strategic alliance. That really helps a lot. I know that for myself as a solopreneur, I've written that that's kind of critical as opposed to on your own trying to do every single thing you can. If you can structure the right strategic alliance to begin with, and maybe even an entree client, suppose you're coming 
you know, from a large corporate experience where you have relationships with people where at least you have one client that you can count, that makes a lot of difference. So we look at those scenarios for growth, kind of path A. If you don't have any of those, you're really on your own and you've got to do all these things methodically. And there are several levels to growth. As I said, ultimately, the next big one will come when you really are ready to take off and you have to look at, are you building a major infrastructure or not? And that's a key decision for a lot of people. And there's a lot of emotion in that, too. I can tell you stories about entrepreneurs that hit that and have a, well, I'll tell you one right now. I mean, that I've seen a lot. Think about this. If you're a really successful entrepreneur, you have typically banged your head against the wall, right? Heard a hundred no's from everybody. And, uh, you know, you've said, oh, no, the concept doesn't work. No, we won't fund it. The returns aren't there. You don't know what you're doing, blah, blah. But you had an innate belief inside of your own heart and soul that you could get this done. In this scenario, you've got done. In the next larger scenario, Hector, where you're growing and people say you should bring in a COO, you should bring in outside this, that, and the other. If the founder is on board, the entrepreneur is on board with it, okay, great. But a lot of them aren't. And here's the real dilemma. It's the very irony of the fact that they've been used to having everyone say no, but they relied on themselves and that got them through. So in that scenario, they do the same thing if they don't believe that they should grow and bring in these people. And they'll say, well, everyone is telling me this, but my gut tells me no, and I'm going to stick with my gut just like I did before. And that creates a lot of problems because at a certain level, you've got to really bring in outside people. I call it the uh, Steve Jobs, John Scully scenario in old Apple, <laughs> you know, the creator, founder versus the organizational person. That's when you get really much larger. Yeah. Is there a reason that someone might not want to make that journey? Because you said it is a big decision. And I've heard people say that doing 2 million is the same amount of work as doing 5 million. And so the challenge is that if you do 2 million, you have just less profit, right? It's just like, you might as well, you might as well get to five because it's the same amount of work and the same amount of expenses and the same amount of everything. Now you're able to see the benefits from some of that scale. Is it just the sheer amount of work or are there other advantages to not pursuing that level of scale? Well, that's another interesting question. Again, there are a lot of variables, Hector. And we shouldn't forget there's the emotional aspect to this too. Some founders think no matter what anyone says, they can do it on their own and they feel they can do it. And that can be true to a great extent, but at some point it's not going to be 100% true. So there's, let's put that aside. There's the emotional aspect. Then there's the aspect, sort of thinking about your question, really fundamentally, I would say it boils down to what was the founder's vision? What did the entrepreneur really want to do? Did they want to create a business of X million dollars and then kind of relax with it? Did they want to sell it? Did they want to find a strategic partner at that point? Or was the driving motivation that I know this concept, I know this product, I know this business really, really well, and I feel I can keep growing it and growing it and growing it and growing it. And then the flip side of that would be what you were alluding to. At some point, they may say, yeah, I wanted to be in this, but I only wanted to be in this up to this level, and I'm comfortable, things are fine. I don't really see the need to grow even further because growth is wonderful, but it creates a whole another set of questions and dilemmas. So it could be any number of options in answer to your question. It really depends on what the founder had in mind, what their vision was. Yeah. It's really important for founders, leaders, entrepreneurs, if they're at that solopreneur stage, to to have an end in mind, though, because you can end up 
realizing that you were taking a lot of steps, but it may not have been in the direction that you actually wanted. You may have been working hard, but it may not have necessarily gotten you closer to your ideal outcome or your ideal business. Oh, I think you raise a great point. Number one, yes. And the clients I work with, I always encourage them. So what do you want to achieve ultimately? What is your goal? What is your game plan? What is your plan? So it's very important to know that. And sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes people are not exactly sure. But sometimes they are. But it's important to the best of one's ability to figure that out. So that's sort of in theory. That's where you know I want to get to. But then remember, you have to judge against that vision and that desired outcome. All the steps along the way. Are they moving you forward in that direction? Are they going better than you thought? And this is the other part we have to bring in. Nothing is static and nothing is fluid. There's market conditions. I mean, things could be great and they could suddenly some new variable could arise in the economy that just tanks things. And then you've got to adapt and then you have some major decisions to make in terms of three areas. One, can I salvage this? Number two, do I really want to salvage this? Can I get this back on? Or number three, well, I'm not sure, so maybe I have to look at other options at this point. Your point, having that vision in mind, but then watching where you are in terms of normal growth, but then being able to adjust to outside market conditions that weren't anticipated. Ash, you seem to look at business in a very pragmatic, very practical way. And I think that that is valuable. However, I'm curious, what I found is that so much of business is, at least when you're starting out, is trying to get yourself to do what you say you're going to do or to take the chances, the actions, the initiatives that are going to actually move the business forward as opposed to just doing what's safe or what's practical or what's easy. So how does the personal side of things play into this whole thing? Do you find that it's easier to create systems around that? Is it more personality driven? You know, When you're working with an entrepreneur and a founder and you know, so much of it is just getting them to execute What are some things that you can say to that? Well, I think that's a great point. Yeah, I'm giving a lot of tips, but they're sort of practical tips and answer to questions as to what one can do. I actually fully agree with with your comment that the real key to a successful entrepreneurial business is what's inside of the person. What is their real passion? So actually, I always start with that. In any coaching assignment, in any advisory assignment, I sit down with them and I really dig deep and say, what makes you happy? What do you really want? What are you looking for? Many times that's hard for people to actually fathom and articulate. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes people are very clear. But doing that up front is invaluable because then we know, Hector, that the person is moving the business in a direction that they really care about, that makes them happy, that is their passion. And it's much more likely they'll be successful. It's much more likely they'll be able to take those extra steps. Because they're not fighting themselves or they're not doing something that's unpleasant. They are actually doing something that they really care about. And it's a passion for them. So I would say, yeah, the the seed of any successful entrepreneurial venture starts with that, starts with the person and the passion. And then we look at all the practical ways to do it, but kind of cart before the horse sort of issue. I'm going to give you a minute to think on this. And after the break, we're going to talk about the connection between the two. Because I think that perhaps that's where the magic lies. And so, Ash, we're going to get into that right after this quick break. 
Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast production company that thinks of ourselves as genius makers. And so if you have a mission, a message, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't necessarily have the time or the tech skills to do it, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. Okay, Ash, I teased out before we went to break that there's this, let's call it, I like alliteration. So let's call it passion and pragmatism, right? You know, passion and pragmatism, you know, passion and practicality even. Some people are too passionate, you know, they're too in the clouds and they don't get anything done or they're chasing every rabbit or every shiny object, right? And then you have people who are perhaps too practical, too pragmatic, and aren't seeing the vision enough, aren't focusing enough on where the business is going and doing the day-to-day without any direction. And so I believe that there's some magic in the middle. What's that been like for you? And how have you been able to navigate those two, you know, polarity, if you will? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So I was starting to say, I personally believe and have seen many times too, that really the beginning point is the person's passion. What do they really care about? What really excites them? What makes them really happy? And as I said, for many people, they're not exactly sure. I'll expand it a little, Hector. What I do is, and lately, I don't know, in my posts, I started referring to the type of coaching I do as business executive coaching for the whole you, the whole you. So it is not just the pragmatic, okay, you want to get to this place, you want to build this one the whole you, what's inside of you. And what I do there, I have a bunch of exercises, but one of the ones I try to do is I say, first expand your mind to what are the things you could do. This relates to whether it's a career transition or it's starting your business. hundred things you can expand. And I even encourage them to think back about things from their childhood. Hey, maybe you really wanted to always run an Italian restaurant or something. You know, you never know because it's important to first expand the universe, but then I force them pragmatically to come up with no more than three different paths. Because what does that do? That forces them on a cognitive level to weigh one against the other, weigh one against the other. The other key thing I do, Hector, is I say, I want you to do this exercise and think about this tabula rasa. And what do I mean by that? Whiteboard. Without all the little things in our head, Hector, that say, well, I don't know if I'm really qualified. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'll be successful. I don't know if I'll make enough money. First, let's identify the pure passion And as we get into that, and I go further into the interstices of each of these, but then I say, okay, let's not even call them problems, call them questions that you have about this. And now let's hone in and talk about it. So it's kind of a marriage of both, but it starts with the internal self. As I told you, my phrase is business executive coaching for the whole you. Yeah. And I think it's so important. The last interview we did talked about was actually with someone who helped entrepreneurs and businesses with burnout. We've had a a few others where the focus of their work is less on, well, at least on the surface, less on bottom line and revenue and the traditional functions of a business and more on the personal side, if you will, on more of the individual skills that I think more and more businesses are waking up to the impact that those things have on the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Ash, is there anything else that you find is important in your work that we haven't, you know, we've kind of covered a lot of different things, but is there anything else that you think is relevant either to this conversation or not, maybe just important for Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs to hear at all? 
Yeah, there are a couple of other things for sure. We didn't really get a chance to go into my background, but Hector, what I tell people is, when I first meet them and they ask, I've actually had five different careers. Forget about jobs. Five different careers, and I've enjoyed them all. So I started out as an international tax lawyer, so I have a whole legal background, which also creates some positive, some negatives in the entrepreneurial business context. I've written a piece that talks about think like a lawyer. The next chapter is don't think like a lawyer, you know, <laughs> because that, that arrived. But that was my first career. The second was that I moved into running media companies and the out-of-home space, billboards and all. Fantastic business. I didn't know anything about it until I joined it. But then work there internationally. It was the world's largest billboard company. We ended up buying it. Boss was a visionary. It was great, great. Third is I've been a solopreneur. I've been working on my own for about 20 years. So I personally have felt the pain of hanging up the shingle the first year, making no money. And you know, I wrote an article about it called The Emotional Pitfalls of Starting a Consulting Business. And then the fourth was I moved into diversity and inclusion and talent management. And there were a lot of interesting things arose. And that's when I started coaching first on the side, mostly in the beginning with C-suite candidates, but then it's expanded. So I cover the whole universe. I do career transition for any number of people from uh, students, millennials to CEOs. And then I also do senior leadership coaching. So with that background, I look at these things, and the very astute questions you're asking in a lot of different ways. And I would say, one, there are many, many key things that we haven't talked about, but one which is pretty major, and I do talk about it a lot, is I think once COVID hit, the entire nature of work and the workplace just dramatically changed. People are looking at work in a different way. Companies are not exactly sure what to do. There's the whole hybrid. There's the return to office. There is how are we going to manage things. From my DEI perspective, you know, they were these great programs that were instituted. Well, first of all, they'll never succeed unless they start from the CEO at that level and go down. But often, Hector, they stagnate at middle management. And one could understand why. I mean, they're just overburdened and so on. So looking at all of those, what's becoming more and more apparent is people are looking for strong leaders, but the nature of who leads and how they lead is really becoming critically important in any organization. And I would say, vis-a-vis what you and I are talking about, even in those small startup entrepreneurial organizations, there are a lot of different qualities that one should have. I summarize them based on talking to a lot of people, reading a lot of things, a lot of different commentaries. In my mind, there are three key things that a leader needs to have. Number one, authenticity. People have got to believe that you believe what you're talking about. And we all know there's some leaders that are not walking the walk, not talking the talk. They are saying things just to say they will never get anywhere, especially in today's environment. Authenticity. Number two, given everything that's happened and lives being totally uprooted in so many ways, empathy. And we hear a lot about that. Empathy is critical. As a leader, you've got to have that and show it, and it's got to be authentic. But number three, and this again talks about the matrix that you and I have been talking about, how practical versus personal, but they're not really versus, it's part of the whole thing. Number three, those are two of the more, people would say, softer skills. But number three, Hector, the leader has to be decisive. Because if you're just one and two, you could be authentic to your, you know, the sky is blue, and you can be empathetic. But if you're not decisive, nothing will get done, and the business will fail. So in my mind, those are the three key things that a leader should have. And, and perhaps prudence, 
you know, judiciousness, right? The ability to make the right decision even more so, because I think that's perhaps the X factor. I find that, yes, the speed at which you can make decisions is important. And then the speed at which you can make correct decisions really amplifies that. But yeah, those are great things. I think that's a great point. And one can add that to decisiveness. Decisive, being able to make a decision, but the right decision. Yeah. 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 Ash, this has been a really fun conversation. And I'm honored that you decided that this would be your first podcast appearance. And I think this will go down in history. We'll all look back <laughs> as this was the moment. This was the moment. Uh, if people wanted to, to stay connected with you or go and follow up with you, is there anywhere that they can do that online? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, but I also have ashvarmanyc.com. You can go there as well. I used to be on Twitter a lot, but I'm not as much anymore. So it's primarily LinkedIn and ashvarmanyc.com. Wonderful. Ash, my last question for you is, in your opinion, what is your secret to growing or scaling a business? I think it's a combination of a number of things that we have talked about. But I think you have to think about things as being in certain stages and think about what's appropriate at each stage. I think the overriding thing that we have talked about the most here is you've got to have that passion. It's got to be something you love because there are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be the different stages. In order to really progress, you've got to be doing something you really love. And then the last points I made about leadership, I think, would apply to there. Be authentic with yourself and be empathetic with yourself and make sure that you are then, and I love your add-on, making the right decisions, <laughs> but being decisive. You can't just sit and wander. So it's really that. It's the passion driving you through so that you can go through all the vicissitudes of change and all the different stages, but then maybe take our example of what a good leader should be and put that on ourselves. Great advice here. Great advice. Thank you. Guys, if you've made it thus far, thank you so much for sticking with us. If you got any value out of today, we would love a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If there is someone that is in the midst of growing their business or thinking about starting a business, send this episode to them. And then take one thing that Ash said today and uh, go out, implement it, execute it. Let us know how it goes. We want to hear about your wins. And above all, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one. Later, guys. Thank you.